0: Atheist Sam Harris debunks Christianity by pointing out that we've never seen heaven with a telescope. Women who joke flippantly about their abortions reveal an uncomfortable fact: not all women who get abortions are victims. Dr. Fauci steps down as the director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases. We will talk about all of this and more. I've got plenty of fiery takes for you today. This episode as always is brought to you by our friends at Good Ranchers. Go to goodranchers.com slash alley. That's goodranchers.com slash alley. Hey guys, welcome to Relatable. Happy Monday. Hope everyone had a wonderful weekend. All right, first let me touch on this Dr. Fauci story. I just heard about it a couple minutes ago. As I'm recording this, there's not a whole lot of reporting on it. He released a statement this morning, so I'll read some of that now. He says, I am announcing today that I will be stepping down from the positions of Director of the National Institute of Allergy and Infectious Diseases and Chief of the NIAID Laboratory of Immunoregulation, as well as the position of chief medical advisor to President Joe Biden. I will be leaving these positions in December of this year to pursue the next chapter of my career. While I am moving on from my current positions, I'm not retiring. He's been in government for 50 years. Of course, that's part of our problem. He says, thanks to the power of science and investments in research and innovation, the world has been able to fight deadly diseases and help save lives around the globe, except for the fact that Dr. Fauci has been wrong and in very consequential ways, many times, whether it's AIDS or whether it is COVID. All of this has really gone to his head. He said recently, you probably saw this clip going around. I don't think we ended up playing it on my show, but where he said people are now going into medicine, they're going into science because of him, because he represents truth and integrity. He also said in a congressional hearing a few months ago that people who oppose him don't oppose him as a person, Anthony Fauci, but actually oppose science. And so it shouldn't surprise us that he has kind of um, taken on this, godlike character that typically happens to lifelong bureaucrats who have been rewarded for being wrong as often as he has. I think it's good for the country that he is stepping down. Of course, he's just going to make some other move where he still is making these kinds of decisions on behalf of Americans, unfortunately. But at least he won't be chief medical advisor to President Joe Biden. The question is, of course, who will be the next one? Probably not going to be any better than Dr. Fauci. Some people are saying the reason that he's doing this now is because he knows Republicans are going to take the majority in Congress this November. And so he doesn't want them to hold him accountable for the mistakes that he has made. Now, we have chronicled the mistakes of Dr. Fauci many times. You can go back and listen to some of the COVID episodes. The one with uh, Brett Weinstein was probably the best, just kind of outlining the failures. Also, um, Scott Atlas as well, Dr. Bhattacharya, Definitely go back, listen to those episodes, and you'll know uh, what I'm talking about when I'm talking about Dr. Fauci's uh, corruption in some ways, but also his incompetence um, in other ways. So, is this a way for him to skirt responsibility and accountability for the failures that um, that have kind of marked his career over the past two years? I'm not sure, and if it is his kind of escape route, I don't know if that's going to work. We'll see about that. Um, But I guess we'll just take it as we can that this is, at least for now, pretty good news. All right. Now, I want to talk about this Sam Harris clip that if you are on Twitter, you have probably seen circulating. If you're not on Twitter, God bless you. That's a good thing, and I will fill you in on what a lot of conservatives and liberals are kind of arguing about. If you don't know who Sam Harris is, he is a neuroscientist, a philosopher, an author. He is a part of what was dubbed a few years ago the intellectual dark web. I think it was a New York Times article just about kind of like heterodox thinkers, people who are um, conservative and liberal and are maybe in some way centrist. It depends on which character of the intellectual dark web. You are talking about. And Sam Harris has kind of been seen as a reasonable liberal, a reasonable atheist who is not completely woke and has kind of critiqued some of wokeness. And so some conservatives have seen him as an ally. You can imagine many of their shock and disgust when he said on a podcast called the Trigonometry Podcast that he would not have cared. He said he would not have cared if the the New York Post had found out that Hunter Biden had the corpses of children in his basement when it came to him deciding whether or not he was going to vote for Joe Biden. He, does, he said that it did not matter. He also said that he pretty much agreed with the decision of Twitter to try to censor the New York Post article. You'll remember when that happened right before the election. The New York Post came out with all of these incriminating details about Hunter Biden's life and his laptop and the different material that was found on his laptop. And uh, Twitter decided to suspend the New York Post account because of this factual story. Well, Sam Harris, he wanted so badly for Joe Biden to win that he really didn't care whether or not that story was free to circulate. And he went even further to say that he does not care at all about the corruption of Hunter Biden. Maybe there's a case to be made that you shouldn't try to lay responsibility for the sins and the mistakes and the problems of someone's son on the father's feet. But because the corruption and the business workings of Hunter Biden are inextricably intertwined, interconnected um, with Joe Biden. I think that that is extremely pertinent. I mean, the question is, of course, how much does and did Joe Biden know? I mean, when we're talking about Burisma and all of that. So a lot of people were understandably angry about Sam Harris's comments. Now, I've never followed Sam Harris. I'm not like some huge fan of him. So I didn't feel betrayed in any way. I am very skeptical of the whole quote unquote like reasonable liberal crowd. Not that I don't think that they make good points and that we can't link arms on some things because I absolutely think that we can. But at the end of the day, I understand that a lot of them hate conservative Christianity just as much as if not more than they say that they hate, you know, left wing wokeism. They really think that they can just take America back to 1995 and we'll all be well and good. And I just i don't think that that's a worthy goal and i also see their underlying resentment for uh, people like me so i didn't feel betrayed because i kind of see these people for what they are at the end of the day they are going to pick the left wing option but what he said that i want to respond to because whatever don't really care about that that's a ridiculous thing to say but i i want to respond to his comments on heaven as i said he is an atheist uh, and he asks on this trigonometry podcast that, you know, where is heaven exactly? I mean, we've never seen it. So here is a clip of him saying that. Like, I'm not going to make magical claims about flying saviors who are literally going to come down from where? where is heaven exactly, given that we have, you know, uh, multiple uh, d- telescopes up there, you know, d- beaming back, you know, Tens of billions of uh, of years worth of of uh, information. So some people are saying that he was being tongue-in-cheek there. I really do not think that he was. And given the context of the entire conversation, I don't think that he was being sarcastic. I don't think he was making a joke. I think he was earnestly saying that heaven probably doesn't exist, or heaven doesn't exist, of course, in his belief system, because we haven't seen it. Look, we have powerful telescopes. We've been able to see light years away. We've been able to look in galaxies. We've never seen this heaven. So how can you possibly... How can you possibly believe that Jesus the Savior is going to come down from heaven when we have never seen it? Here's the thing about a lot of atheists, and I'm not saying atheists in general, but many atheists, they think that they have thought harder about Christianity than all Christians have. They think that every Christian or every religious person, but specifically it seems like their uh, sights are set on Christianity when it comes to debunking it and demeaning it, um, deriding it, and they believe there have been no Christian scholars who have truly wrestled with the with creation, with the creation of the universe, or with apologetics, or with the resurrection, or any of these like very difficult aspects of Christianity, they think that they are the first ones to have this revelation. They always think that they're the first ones to ask questions, that all of us are just uh, accepting everything we hear without using our minds to kind of wrestle with them and work through them and come to logical and theological conclusions about them. And so... He probably thought that he was making a very, a, a very good point here, and I joked on Twitter. I said, "Wow, I watched this clip. I'm no longer a Christian. You have completely obliterated my worldview, of Sam Harris." The thing is, most atheists who think that they know everything about Christianity don't know anything about Christianity. They haven't read the Bible. They've heard things secondhand. Even if they a lot of them, often they'll say that they were raised in the church. Many times it's the Catholic church, but sometimes it's the evangelical church as well, Pentecostal. And they'll think that their experience gives them all of this expertise. And because they've been in it and now they've come out, they think that they know more and have more authority than those who are still in it. So they don't actually think that they need to... Um, have the same knowledge and uh, the same theological expertise as Christian theologians do, for example. And if Sam Harris did know scripture, if he did know anything about basic Christian theology, he would know that this is not a good argument to make. This is not a very smart argument to make. And I will get into why in just one second. Let me pause. Let me tell you about our first sponsor for the day, and that is Cell. So, Cell uses plant stem cell therapy to make your skin the best that it can be. So, fine lines, forehead wrinkles, dark spots, sagging jawline, even those bags and puffiness that's under your eyes that you feel like you just can't get rid of. You're a tired mom. I understand you're not gonna go under the knife or get any of these invasive treatments. I'm the same way. And so you're looking for a non-invasive way, the most natural way possible, to make sure that your skin um, is as healthy as it can be and GenuCell is a good option for you. It has immediate effects, guaranteed results in as little as 12 hours, or your money back, that's how confident they are. Now during GenuCell Summer Blowout, every most popular package is over 65% off, plus you'll get a complimentary gift set with your order. Visit at genucell.com slash Allie. You will get a dark spot corrector, absolutely free. Go to genucell.com slash Allie, G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Allie. 1 Corinthians 2, 6 through 16. has heard nor the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit, to us Christians. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except for the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Now we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God. So the only people who can fully understand the things of God are the people who have his Spirit, this is Ali's commentary, and who are Christians. All things, but is himself to be judged by no one for who has understood the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him, but we Christians have the mind of Christ, so multiple parts there, and really the whole first chapter of first corinthians uh, I, I really love the segments where it talks about where it asks the rhetorical question, like where is the scribe? where is the wise one? where are the rulers? where are the ones who supposedly are the discerning philosophers among us who can try to debunk the things of God. Look, these people have a worldly spirit. They are not going to be able to understand the things of God. So that is why, ultimately, spiritually, Sam Harris says the things that he does, but he also doesn't understand that there is another dimension in which heaven exists. What no eye has seen, nor ear has heard, nor the heart of man even imagined, what God has prepared for those who love him in eternity. So, of course, the human eye cannot see it. John one eighteen. No one has ever seen God, the only God who was at the Father's side. He has made him known. 1 John 4.12-13. through 13. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. But we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of his spirit. So again, that Holy Spirit is necessary to understand who God is, where he is, the things of God that are just not discernible, even by the smartest and the wisest people of this age. Sam Harris, I'm sure, is a very smart person. I'm sure he is a very intellectual person. I certainly don't think that he's dumb. Maybe he does even know some... Of Christian theology to the point to where he feels like he can debate it. I am sure that he is a thoughtful person, but at the end of the day, he lives within the spirit of the age. He is dictated by the world. And God ultimately, as it also says in 1 Corinthians, shames the wisdom of the wise so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. So the wisdom of the world, the wisdom of the world is foolishness to God. And the foolishness that the world sees as the gospel of Christ is wiser than any form of worldly wisdom. So that's the reality. That's what I thought of when I saw uh, this Sam Harris clip. A lot of people were dunking on him, myself included, kind of being sarcastic and making jokes about this. At the end of the day, I hope that he repents. I hope that he is one day filled with the Spirit of God, that he becomes a new creation, that he understands um, Uh, the things of the Lord that he understands and accepts the gospel of Christ. I pray that God would soften his heart in that and that he would be able to attain through the fear of the Lord true wisdom. That's what I want for Sam Harris. That's what I want for all people who don't believe and who don't know. But also I want a little bit of humility from people who are critics of Christianity to understand that, look, a lot of us have thought about all of the things that you think that. Uh, you think are novel, you think are, are new questions. There are thousands and thousands of years of Christian theologians wrestling with the very questions that you are bringing up today. So if you truly have questions about these things, like if you truly want to know what the Christian answer is for some of the objections that you have, look back throughout history. There are many theologians who have probably addressed the questions that you have. All right, more internet craziness that I saw over the weekend. There was a tweet that went viral Over 260,000 likes when I saw it, almost 20,000 retweets. And someone tweeted, when my friend went to get an abortion and they made her do an ultrasound beforehand, so she posted this on her Snap story. And it's a picture of a sonogram, the baby, based on my experience, I would guess is probably nine to 10 weeks. And then the caption on Snapchat in the picture says, Hmm, not feeling her and now if you're not totally familiar with like gen z language she's not saying not physically feeling her she means like ooh, not feeling that like uh, that doesn't have good vibes and this actually turns out to be not real. This person got a sonogram picture from a blog post from a random website from back in 2017. And so she's making a joke about it. She's being flippant about it. But the replies under the tweet are some of the worst things that I've ever seen, joking about having an abortion, joking about getting rid of the child. Someone told this story, said, reminds me of when a girl on here got a necklace with the giant letters aborted after going through that experience. Then some lady commented, you should be ashamed because many women like myself can't have kids and told her. And then the girl who got an abortion told her, maybe you should get a necklace that says infertile. I don't know. So just very heartless and calloused replies. I've seen tweets like this before just threads of people making fun of getting rid of an unborn child killing that life and then I've noticed also over the past couple of years that there is a trend on TikTok of young girls videoing themselves going to Planned Parenthood or after their abortion and just kind of laughing about it and even celebrating it. So here are three quick examples of that happening on TikTok. Alright, so I know that if you're just listening to this, then that might not make a lot of sense to you. Those are three different examples of um, girls chronicling their experience with abortion, laughing about it, thinking it's funny, and these videos have thousands of views, hundreds of thousands of views, thousands of likes, a lot of people applauding it, saying that it's hilarious. Of course, saying that these babies are just clumps of cells. Um, One of the one of the girls on there said, oh, just dropped my baby off at daycare. She was entering into uh, Planned Parenthood. The other one was like, here's my baby on January 8th, 2016. And then it's just a picture of nothing. So the baby disappeared. And the other one is a girl who pretends like she's doing a gender reveal and says it's uh," and then she pulls up a sign that says boarded rather than a boy or a girl. So the tweet might have been a joke, but the replies underneath it and the trend that it represents of flippantly joking about abortion is not a joke. It's real. It speaks to a real state of people's heart. And then I also saw this video that was posted by Libs of TikTok. This is two women, uh, two podcasters talking about an abortion fetish, making an only fan for abortions because some people are into that. And I'm just going to warn you, just going to warn you, this is extremely graphic would not listen to this around your kids but i think it's really important for us to at least just briefly look at what the evil is behind abortion what the spirit is underneath the abortion movement so here it is i stayed awake i wanted the whole experience of it i'm like i want to look into your face when you're sucking that out of my body That's- kind of hot <laughs> why you is like that, that While well, i'm like up like... in freaking stirrups and i'm just like <sighs> 21 and just like mm. Mm. wait a minute does Only- abortion spa also have an OnlyFans. OnlyFans abortions to help women pay for their f- abortions if people are into that there's a fetish for that so i understand that was really really disturbing and that probably i mean hurts your heart and makes you want to cry and it's just a gut punch. And I know, and I really hesitated even playing it at all. But I just want us to be able to stare in the face, even just briefly, the evil that exists on the pro-abortion side. I mean, that is the spirit that is fueling it. I'm not saying that everyone who considers themselves pro-choice believes the same things. And when you use that language, that's not what I'm saying. But that is one of the most like naked views of the underlying spirit and motivation behind the side that is pro-legalized baby murder and you know what has really begun to bother me about our rhetoric as pro-lifers like when we look at things like that it becomes really obvious kind of just how off we've been in some of the things that we say that when we talk about abortion We talk about the women who get abortion as if they are all victims. We just assume that they are. We almost talk about them like they're children, like totally ignorant, without any agency or ability to make decisions. And sometimes, sometimes that is true. Sometimes they are 12 year olds and so their parents are making them get an abortion. Sometimes they have special needs and someone in their life is making them get an abortion. Some Sometimes maybe they are totally and completely deceived and ignorant as to what an abortion is. Sometimes they are forced to do it by boyfriends or a pimp or someone, like I said, maybe their parents. Sometimes they're raped or exploited, so they are victims. And Planned Parenthood is happy, by the way, to cover up their abuse as long as they get money from their abortions. And so some women who get abortions are absolutely victims. But but we have to acknowledge that these are probably not the majority of cases. Actually, I think we can safely say this is not the majority of cases. These, uh, these scenarios of women being victims who are seeking abortions. The majority of women who get abortions likely know exactly what they're doing. Many of them see the baby on the ultrasound. They hear the heartbeat. Some of them even get to the point of feeling the baby kick and they still have abortions. This is actually fairly common. I see these kinds of tweets consistently We see uh, the joking about abortion on Twitter. There are organizations like Shout Your Abortion that seek to make abortion seem normal and even moral. There was a New Yorker article several years ago saying that abortion is a moral good. I testified in Congress, in the House of Representatives, with an abortionist from St. Louis who said that abortion is a moral good. That may not be, at least explicitly, the majority view on the side of those who say that they're for legal abortion, but th- this absolutely is a common view. And those who say that it's not, who say that there's no such thing as being pro abortion, they are either lying or deceived. They are either deceiving or are deceived themselves, or both. There are women who are pro-abortion. There are women who get abortions and are not helpless victims. They were not forced. They were not pressured. They were not even particularly desperate. They weren't ignorant of what they're doing. There are many who do not feel guilt, who do not feel a secret sadness. They know that she's a human and they ended her life anyway. We have to grapple with this reality. This reality that in so many ways, the world and even we as Christians often cannot bring ourselves to recognize That women are sinners, just like men. We have the same capacity for sin. We have responsibility for sin. Our hearts are just as inclined toward evil. Our main problem as women, contrary to popular opinion, is not the patriarchy or unrealistic body standards or capitalism or even Planned Parenthood or any system or institution. Our main problem as women is that without Christ, we are dead in our sin. Our hearts are sick, they're desperately wicked, that left to our own fleshly devices, we will lie, we will cheat, and we will kill to serve ourselves. We do women a disservice when we regard them like children, when we pretend that they bear no responsibility for their actions, that they don't deserve accountability, and more than that, we perpetuate injustice. It is unjust not to place responsibility on women for the choices that they knowingly make. And even more deeply than that, when we depict women as helpless victims, even when they're not, we rob them of the truth of the gospel, which says that we are sinners, and we bear the weight of our sin, and we need Jesus to save us from it. A woman will not seek forgiveness and redemption if she doesn't think there's anything of which she needs to be forgiven or from which she needs to be redeemed. It is not loving to talk about women who seek abortions as if they are all helpless victims— It's not loving toward the baby who actually is the innocent victim and deserves justice. That means in some cases, women should share legal responsibility depending on her age, mental capacity, her culpability, whether she was forced or not, the circumstances surrounding uh, the abortion, how old was the baby. All of these things have always gone into uh, judicial decisions about who bears responsibility for the taking of a person's life. Now, these women are not the ones committing the murder when they are seeking abortions, but they are many times knowingly complicit and are paying for it. Therefore, it, I mean, it's, I'm not talking about life in prison. I'm not talking about the death penalty, but shouldn't hiring a hitman to kill a human being bring with it a legal consequence? Like, isn't that justice if we truly believe that the baby in the womb is a human, as we pro-lifers are always saying that she is? It is also lying to say that they're all victims. And lying is not love. The truth is they will have to answer for those abortions one day. And what we want is for them on that day to be covered by the blood of Christ. And in order for them to be covered by God's grace, they have to know that they need it today. And for them to know that they need God's grace, they have to know why. They have to know that they, like all of us, have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I have talked to women Who have had abortions i have cried with them i have talked to women who are considering abortions women who have uh, been surprised by pregnancies when they feel like they can't make ends meet they are kind women their stories have brought me to tears and have made me praise god for his mercy and his forgiveness that he can use what satan means for evil for his glory and our good these women deserve our compassion They deserve our love. They deserve our listening ear, our prayers, our resources. We should be doing everything we can to meet the needs of women who are pregnant and to help their families. We should greet them with open arms. We should do what pro-lifers have been doing for decades, and that is loving them and caring for them, what the church has been doing thousands of years, which is to be a refuge for the most vulnerable. All of this while knowing that the nature of the human heart um, is evil and facing the tough, tough reality that, as Romans 121 says, the non-believers' thinking becomes futile and their foolish hearts become darkened and calloused and conscious evil decisions are made. Women are also capable of that. We cannot fight what is ultimately a spiritual battle against abortion if we are not willing to face the spiritual reality that women are sinners too. Satan would love nothing more than for us to think otherwise, that oh, women have no responsibility and no agency, and therefore they don't need forgiveness of sins. Therefore, they don't need accountability. Therefore, they don't bear any culpability or responsibility. He will convince a woman that nothing is really her fault all the way to hell. And so let us say in justice, in truth, and in love, yes, for the baby and for the woman, not on our watch. This is speaking the truth in love. And I just think that we as pro-lifers, as compassionate and as gentle and as loving as we rightly want to be, cannot forsake truth and justice and realize that not all women who get abortions are victims. Many of them know exactly, exactly what they're doing. And I think we should change our rhetoric and change our um, change our perspective a little bit in recognizing that and realizing that truth and talking about that truth. I think that we give women a cover when we pretend like they are not actually responsible for their actions. As I said, many women who seek abortions are victims in many ways, but many are not. And let us recognize their capacity for wickedness and to choose evil things. And let us also... um Let us use that truth to bring us and to bring them to the realization that they are in need of forgiveness and a savior. All right, we've got a couple more things to say. Let me pause and tell you about our next sponsor for the day. And that is Covenant Eyes. Covenant Eyes is an amazing, amazing company with a really great tool. You just download their software on your phone, on your computer, on all of your different devices, and you have a software that is protecting you against images and Content that are not pure or lovely or good or anything that should be consumed by the Christian who is wanting to protect their mind and their heart and their eyes from that, which is evil. So we're talking about pornography and different kinds of content that you want to protect yourself from and also and especially your kids from. So you'll not only be able to block pornography from all of your devices, you can also set up accountability partners for yourself and others in your family. Pornography is one of the, you guys know this, most dangerous and worst wolves in sheep's clothing in our society. It's a real problem. Do not take it lightly. It can destroy lives. It can destroy minds. It can destroy families. So take it seriously. Get Covenant Eyes today. You can download the software free for 30 days by going to coveeyes.com slash alley. That's c o the eyes.com slash Allie slash All right, guys, that is really all we have time to, to spend to, to really discuss today. There were so many other stories that I wanted to talk about. But we have to close this out. Um, we have amazing conversations coming up for the rest of the week. Wednesday, you are absolutely going to love it. Uh, we are having a conversation with the host of the Cultish podcast because it is episode 666. And we are going to be talking about the occult, demonic activity, demonic possession, demonic oppression. How much stock should we put into the signs and the symbols that people are always seeking out among celebrities? and? music videos and in books and even on kids' toys and and promoted by brands and things like that, you're going to love it. It's, it is, in some ways, a disturbing conversation because these things are real. But these guys do such a good job in bringing it back to the light and the truth and the goodness of the gospel and equipping and empowering us as Christians to be able to confront the um, evil works of darkness in a way that is uh, discerning, in a way that is grounded in God's truth. So that's Wednesday. Tomorrow... We're going to talk about the failings of the criminal justice system uh, with an expert on that. That's also a great conversation. Um, and then on Thursday, we've got an amazing, amazing discussion with a detransitioner. So she transitioned as a teenager, detransitioned quickly after that. And in the midst of that, God saved her life. You are going to get so much out of that. So I'm really excited for the conversations that we are having this week. Thank you guys so much for listening. As always, if you love this podcast, leave us a a five-star review. Before we head out, just want to remind you that Blaze socks are still on sale. They've got lots of cool patriotic socks. They've got the Ron DeSantis ones. They've got the one making fun of the World Economic Forum because, of course, that's something we like to do. They've got some MAGA ones. They make a really... Um, a really great gift, either for yourself or for someone who is a fan of these things. They're all made in the U.S. They'll be gone by August 22nd. So today, today is the last day that you can buy these socks. Go to blazesocks.com for Blaze TV subscribers. You can use promo code blazesub for 20% off your purchase. That's blazesocks.com. Use blazesub for 20% off. Thanks for supporting America, American Jobs and American Values. And thank you, of course, for supporting Relatable. Love you guys. See you back here tomorrow.